0: The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt, Jr. I was recently at a conference right before the pandemic hit, and one of the listeners of the Christian Publishing Show came up to me uh, and to say hi. And one of the things I like to ask listeners is, what do you like about the show, and what can I do better? And she thought about it for a while, and she said, I want you to do more episodes on promotion, on how to build a platform. And I was like, did you know that I have an entire separate podcast just on that topic. And she didn't. And so every once in a while here on the Christian Publishing Show, I like to share an episode from my other podcast, Novel Marketing. And this one is almost like a mini audiobook. It is a very long episode all about how to start your own podcast. I hope you enjoy Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. This is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. I'm your host, the professor of book marketing, Thomas Umstadt, Jr., and today we're going to talk about how to start a podcast. Podcasting is one of the hottest marketing techniques for authors right now. 90% of USA Today bestselling authors have a podcast presence through either a guest or or they're a host. And in this episode, you're going to learn how to host and start your own podcast and how to use it to help you hit the bestseller list. So why is podcasting so hot right now? Why do so many best-selling authors use podcasting to hit the best-selling charts? Well, there's several reasons that are driving this. One is that podcasting is just really popular right now amongst readers. Podcast numbers are at their highest ever in 2020, despite a temporary dip due to the stupid virus. (laughs) Podcasting is not a fad. Believe it or not, it is older than Facebook. It goes back to 2004 or earlier, depending on when you count the beginning of podcasting. So it is like the tortoise that slowly, year by year, is adding market share until more and more people are listening to podcasts. Authors have been using podcasts to hit the bestseller list for over a decade. Scott Sigler, the fiction author, did it over a decade ago, and Mignon Fogarty also did it to hit the New York Times bestseller list. Another reason why podcast listening is so popular is that it's replacing blog reading for a lot of readers. Uh, Podcasts have little competition for many times of the day, like when you're in your car or at the gym or out for a jog, walking the dog, you know, the sorts of things we all did before we were all quarantined. Uh, Another advantage of podcasting is that it's easy to compete on quality. Unlike with video, where you need tens of thousands of dollars worth of gear to have the same level of quality as the professionals, for $1,200, you can have the exact same gear the number one podcasts in the world use. That is incredible. There's really nothing in uh, any kind of communication I can think of where you can have the same kind of gear for that little money. The, The cost of microphones and for the setup... It's really, really fallen. And for just a few hundred dollars, you can have really close to the same level of audio quality as the number one podcasts. Now, I will say, hosting a podcast is a lot of work, and it also costs money. Don't listen to anyone that tells you you can have a successful podcast for free. You can have an unsuccessful podcast for free, but it takes an investment of both time and money to build the kind of podcast that will attract an audience. And because of this, most authors are intimidated to start podcasts and they're not doing it. Or they do it, they have a few episodes and then they pod fade. They give up on the process. What this means is that there is still room for you. There are genres where there are still zero podcasts or maybe one podcast covering that genre. There are topics that still have no podcast on that topic for a specific audience. This is still a good time to start a podcast. I don't know if that will be true five years from now. And if you're not convinced about starting a podcast, or if you're like, this isn't for me, you're totally welcome to skip this episode. As I've been working on this episode all week, it has turned into a monster. It's almost more of an audiobook at this point, or a short audiobook than it is an episode. So you're very welcome to skip this episode. I won't put anything at the end that you'll feel like you missed out on. You can just go on to the next episode, because I will say... This is not a strategy for everyone. You don't have to be a podcaster to be a successful author, especially to host your own podcast. Being a guest on other people's podcasts almost is a requirement. So it's almost an expectation, especially if you're wanting to be a best-selling author. Uh, you really do need to have some kind of guesting presence. You know the 10% of authors who don't have a podcast presence, uh, m- many of them are dead. <laughs> they, they're, they're, they were They wrote classics of Yesteryear and their books are still bestsellers for whatever reason. And that's why they're not podcasting. Uh, but you don't have to host your own podcast to be successful. So, like I said, full permission to skip this episode. All right, are you still here? Let's talk about how to start a podcast. I've broken it down into 10 steps 10 easy steps, uh, but they are work. As my great grandfather would say, podcasting isn't difficult, it's just a lot of hard work. So, the first step is perhaps the most fun step, and that is to listen to lots of podcasts. It's really important to be familiar with podcasting, to listen to dozens and dozens of podcasts so you understand what works, what doesn't, what you like, what you don't like, and what is a podcast and what is not a podcast. I recommend for anyone thinking about starting their own podcast to listen to at least 100 complete episodes from at least 20 different podcasts. So, you know, maybe five episodes from this podcast, 20 episodes from this other podcast, you don't have to listen to thousands of episodes, but at least 100 episodes will really help you understand podcasting. And I also encourage you as you're looking for podcasts to listen to, to listen to podcasts in at least five different podcast categories. And I encourage you pick at least one history podcast because those guys really know what they're doing. They get so many more downloads. at least on a median basis, than any other category of podcast. And if you're looking for a good place to find new podcasts to listen to, I recommend Podchaser.com. It's like the IMDB of podcasts. It's got a great search engine, and people will put lists of their famous podcasts. I use it. You can also read reviews of podcasts, and you don't have to be an Apple user. It's for everyone, unlike Apple Podcasts, which is only for people who are drinking the Apple Kool-Aid. All right, so now you've listened to your 100 episodes. The second step is to pick an audience, pick a niche, and pick a name for your podcast. Now, there's a lot to say here. And again, this episode is just an overview of the process. But I do have a few tips, and I want to talk specifically about the niche. I recommend that when you're first starting a podcast, especially if you've never had a podcast before, to pick an uncomfortably focused niche. You want to be uncomfortable with how narrow your target is. You want that target audience to be so narrowly defined that when people hear that your podcast exists, they're like, yes, finally a podcast just for me if you could if you start that narrow what will happen is everyone inside of that tiny red dot on the target will be thrilled by your podcast because it will be the first one ever just for them once you fill that target audience you can expand your focus for your show. And I will say we did that with this show. When we first started novel marketing, it was only for marketing fiction and only for traditionally published authors. Now traditional fiction authors make up only 20 or 25% of our listeners. We have a lot of indie authors who listen to the show and we have a lot of nonfiction authors who listen to this show. But we didn't get there until we first learned how to thrill the trad fiction authors. Uh, When it comes to picking a name, I recommend you pick a name with the .dot .com still available. So, for instance, we have NovelMarketing.com for this podcast. It makes it a lot easier to mention your podcast on the air. Now, we no longer have NovelMarketing.com as a website. Right now, NovelMarketing is a part of AuthorMedia.com. But if you go to NovelMarketing.com, it takes you to the specific podcast page authormedia.com So I'm not saying you have to build a whole new website for your podcast, but you do want to spend the $10 a year to get the .com for your podcast. And if you're looking for a website that will help you find out if the .com is available, I recommend instant domain uh, It will look up websites and tell you if they're available instantly as you're typing. It's really quite remarkable. In Your mindset as you're picking your audience niche and name it needs to be Wanting to serve a target audience, you don't want to make your podcast for you, you want to make your podcast for others. If you want followers, you need to be a servant. That may sound like religious teaching, but it really is solid business advice, solid marketing advice. People don't care about you, they care about themselves. So Your podcast has to benefit them in some way. So as you're thinking about your niche and your audience and your name, ask yourself, how does this podcast benefit my target listener? How does it make their life better in some practical way? Maybe it's just entertaining. Maybe you just make them laugh, but that is still a benefit. Maybe it's informational. Maybe it's encouraging, but you need to know what the benefit is. And I would pick one primary benefit. So for this show, our primary benefit is information. (laughs) We try to be encouraging and occasionally I might try to crack a joke here and there, but That's not why people listen. People don't listen because they think my jokes are funny, because they're not. (laughs) And that's okay. You don't have to be funny to have a successful podcast, but you do have to be beneficial in some way. All right. So we talked about step one listen to lots of podcasts. Step two pick an audience, niche, and name. Now it's time for step three. Uh, We're still laying the groundwork, and this is where we pick the show format. And the format of your show is what you're going to talk about and how you're going to talk about it. Every show has its own format. There's a lot of different formats that you can use. And the more podcasts you listen to, the more formats you will encounter and be familiar with. This is part of the reason why listening to so many different shows is so important. If your only podcast you've ever listened to is this one, you may think that this is how all podcasts are like. That is not true. In fact, this podcast isn't even like this podcast if you go back far enough. Our our format has evolved a little bit over the years. We used to be more of a quick tip style format with 15 minute episodes. Now our episodes are more in depth, they're longer, and they're a little more involved. And I will say, you're not locked into your format. In fact, I encourage you, especially in the early days, to experiment with different formats, uh, to see what you like and what your audience likes. The ideal is a format that you're both happy with, that you're comfortable doing an episode every week on that format, and your audience wants to hear the next week's episode. But I want to give you some kind of common formats to give you an idea of what some of the options are. So the first one is the interview show. This is the default for most podcasters when they get started. And it makes sense partly because it's the easiest to do, especially if you know lots of people to interview. I struggle uh, bringing on guests or finding good guests for the show. Uh, that That's not a strength of, of mine personally. But I do enjoy doing the interviews when I do find a good guest who can bring some practical advice. And I will say, I don't air every guest interview. Sometimes I'll interview somebody and what they're saying, it wasn't helpful enough, wasn't practical enough, because I try to have a really practical show. And so the interview doesn't air, and that's okay. (laughs) So another advantage of an interview show is that sometimes your guests will help promote the show, especially if they're... Uh, not super famous. If they're super famous, maybe they'll send a tweet, maybe they'll do nothing. But if they are kind of at your same level, they often will help uh, promote the show, sometimes dramatically, and this can really help build your audience, which is one of the reasons why I think Interview is such a popular format, is because it's got that kind of growth built into it. You're not just relying on word of mouth from your existing listeners to grow the show, you're also benefiting from all of these people who are motivated to share your show because you're interviewing them, right? So if let's say you're interviewing other authors in your genre, now suddenly they're promoting your podcast to their readers of your genre. Wow, that's powerful. So some examples of this, a Christian publishing show, my other podcast is primarily an interview show. And uh, the creative pen with Joanna Penn is, is another example of an interview based podcast. Uh, the next format is the short news briefing. Uh, this is where I think in the author world, there's perhaps the most uh, opportunity. There's just not a lot of authors doing this. It is a fair amount of work, but this is uh, where you're kind of going over the headlines of news in your industry. Uh, there's a lot of demand for a four to 10 minute long podcast. When you have an hour-long podcast, you're asking people to give up an hour of their week and an hour of their podcast listening. So that means they are giving, they have to give up three 20-minute podcasts to listen to yours. So you have to be really good to earn that hour-long podcast. But if you have only a 10-minute podcast, you're not asking for near the level of commitment, which means you don't have to be as good to make it into somebody's list of podcasts. And the easiest way to do this is just summarize the headlines, like I said. Uh, some examples of some podcasts that do this well, podnews.net, one of the best podcasts out there. <laughs> it's a podcast about podcast news. Yes, it's a little bit meta, but it is very well executed. And then also Tech News Briefing does this in the uh, tech news space. And both of these podcasts are less than 10 minutes long. Both of them are daily. This doesn't have to be daily, uh, but it does help. And But it, again, it depends on how much news there is in your industry. It may be that whatever topic or category you're covering, there's only enough news for a 10-minute podcast once a week, and that's all right. Uh, The next level of podcast is what I'm going to call news analysis. This is a longer news show where you're going past just the headlines, and you're providing commentary on those headlines as well. Uh, this is more suited for nonfiction authors, so I'm not going to cover it too much, but a good example of this is the Selmore Book Show, where they go over the headlines of the news, but they also discuss how uh, that news affects authors. Uh, and then a political example of this, and there's a million to pick from, but the Ben Shapiro show is one of the most popular, one of the most successful, where Ben Shapiro will go over you know three or four news articles and then give his opinion. Kind of the classic kind of AM talk radio style. Uh, So what I used to do back when I had my AM uh, radio show. I had a drive time talk radio show and I would go over the news and I would read the news and then give my commentary, which I try not to do on this podcast because I've learned authors don't want to hear me talk politics. So let's move on to the next category, and that is solo training. Uh, That's what I'm doing right now. This episode is almost like a mini course on how to start A podcast. We're, you know, in the middle of step three of 10, and we're already 16 minutes into the podcast. So this is really in-depth. We're really covering this topic really deeply. It's kind of like, or at least my goal is, that this is like taking a course, but just through your ears. It's the type of podcast I most like to listen to personally, which is probably why I do it so often on this show, But it's also hard to find. Now, the advantage of this format is that it ages well. People will still be downloading this episode a year from now, maybe two or three years from now. We still get downloads on episodes that we recorded five years ago. The disadvantage of this kind of episode is that it is a massive amount of work to solo on a topic like this, even a topic I know a lot about, gathering all of the information, getting the links, uh, organizing my thoughts so that one goes after another uh, is a lot of work. I think I put eight to 10 hours of work just into the outline for this episode that will turn into the podcast and probably 10 to 20 man hours total for this particular episode to be made, which is why you don't see more of these kinds of episodes out there. So some examples, Novel Marketing, the one you're listening to right now. Another good one is The Podcast Host. Uh, This is a podcast about podcasting, and it's got solo episodes, just like the one I'm recording. And uh, these guys have really fun uh, UK accents, one of them's from Scotland and one of them's I think from Northern England. Uh, I'm not super good at pinpointing uh, British accents, British Isles accents. Sorry, Scotland is not England. Um, But they have really excellent advice, and particularly when it comes to gear. There's a lot of bad advice when it comes to what microphone to get. And uh, these guys give really, really good gear. They test all of the microphones, and I really like what they have to say. You can do a solo training style podcast on pretty much any nonfiction topic. And I don't feel like this uh, fits very well, for fiction so you may be like well give me some fiction formats well the next one is only for the novelists and it's a fiction podcast and this is one of the hot categories right now there's a lot of action in fiction podcasting Uh, now this can be an audio drama with you know actors and sound effects really highly produced and you know there are podcasts now that are being made into television shows one of the amazon prime Shows actually started off as a fiction podcast and <laughs> skipped the book altogether. Went straight from podcast straight to TV show, streaming show. I don't know what we call Amazon Prime these days. Uh, but, you know, if you're an author, do you really need the book? <laughs> you go straight to having a, a show made about your your story. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's enough to go from the podcast straight to the TV show. But it doesn't have to be highly produced. You don't have to put in a lot of sound effects. It could be as simple as you reading a chapter of your book each episode and episode one is chapter one episode two is chapter two and so on and it's a lot of fun you're creating an audio version and it doesn't necessarily have to be of your finished finished book it needs to be good so and i want to be very clear here it can't be like your rough draft but it is totally acceptable to get feedback from your audience use that feedback to do another draft that is what ultimately goes out as your ebook and as your printed book, especially if you're independently published. You have a lot of freedom for this. But I will say um, big traditional publishers right now are looking for authors with podcasts, even novelists with podcasts. So the fact that you podcasted your book and you, that you've proved that you have an audience for your story really looks good to traditional publishers. And podcast listeners have been proven to be very loyal book buyers. Um, Podcast listeners, we didn't really talk about this at the beginning, but they make more money and they're more educated than your typical reader, which means they're much more likely to buy your book. Right? These are people who won't blink at spending $10 on a book from an author that they love, especially somebody who's been in their head for hours and hours. That's a a big honor to be in someone's head that long. Um, Okay, a couple more formats and we'll move on to the next tip. Uh, The next one is genre review podcast this is where you kind of cover a genre it's not really genre news but more of like reviewing books uh, uh, from within the genre or maybe interviewing other authors who write in that genre maybe you know talking about kind of Styles or kind of trends in the genre. Some examples of this fantastical truth is covering uh, Christian fantasy and science fiction, and then the read aloud revival is a good example of this. Doing some this similar idea but with children's books. So if you're a, a reader of children's books, the read aloud revival is a great book <laughs> to, to help you in, in kind of encouraging. This is kind of taking beyond just the picture books and Doctor Seuss. This particular podcast about expanding and just reading out loud as a family. And here's what's really powerful about this. You don't need a book to be written to do a genre review podcast. So for a fiction podcast, not only do you need a book written, but you need it to be good, right? It has to be good enough where it can draw in listeners on its own. But for a genre review, you could be just getting started, right? If you started your podcast while you're first starting your first work in progress and you are reading books and reviewing books and building listenerships and having authors on and interviewing them, you know, after two or three years, you've got a big audience it's going to be a lot easier for you to launch your book. And I am shocked how many micro-genres don't yet have a podcast at all <laughs> where there's not a single podcast covering that genre. For instance, Amish books have no podcasts covering them. Maybe that's makes sense, right? But the Amish authors, there's no reason for them to be behind the times. Come on, Amish authors. Somebody start a podcast covering Amish fiction. All right, uh, and the next format is the Quick Tip Podcasts or the quick tips podcast, but it's really quick tip because this format is typically short. It's often scripted or or heavily outlined, and the podcast covers just one specific topic in five to ten minutes, or really one to ten minutes. There is a kind of a hyper intense version of this, where it's a sixty second podcast. I find that that's too fast, too too in and out. Um, but five to ten minutes is a perfect amount of time to cover one topic, um, very focused. Some examples of this, Grammar Girl, very famous podcast. Again, put her on the bestseller list. Really good podcast. She just covers one grammar rule per five to ten minute episode. Another example of this is Podcast Pontifications with Evo Terra, One of the godfathers of podcasting, one of the guys who helped me get into podcasting back in 2007. He wrote Podcasting for Dummies, which was the book that helped me start my podcast way back in the day. Uh, version two I think is the version that I read anyway uh, the final version is the magazine style podcast. This format mixes elements from the above format so maybe you've got a quick tip and maybe you have a short interview uh, maybe you do a little news analysis right you you kind of this is the most complicated format and maybe you have some other elements like a mailbag or some listener questions, headlines, etc uh, this is a little more complicated style, but you could almost combine this any of the others. Uh, Some examples of this, the School of Podcasting uh, has got this magazine-style format, and also the Holy Post has got this magazine style. Uh, This can be really fun, but it is a little bit more work. All right, so those are just some of the formats. There are way more formats that you can do, but these are formats that I think will work for authors. Not all formats are are good fit for an author-hosted podcast. But now let's move on to Your podcast branding. And there's a lot to be said about branding, and this isn't like a time to talk about your branding strategy. I'm really more want to talk about your branding assets and what is required and what is recommended and what is optional. So first let's talk about what is required, and that is your album art or your logo. Every single podcast directory that I know of requires you to have album art if you want to submit your podcast to the directory, right? They need some image, some visual image to represent your podcast. Apple Podcasts, which is the biggest directory and the most powerful, and they kind of set the rules for the whole industry, they require that art to be at least 1,400 by 1,400 pixels and no more than 3,000 by 3,000 pixels. So a couple of quick tips on the album art. The first one is to keep it simple, right? This album art's going to show up as a teeny tiny image on someone's phone. So it has to work as a thumbnail. You can't cram lots of stuff into it. You, you have room for two or three words, maybe. <laughs> so you, even your like, subtitle of your show may not fit or may not be visible. So it really, really needs to be a very simple podcast. So for instance, my podcast just says novel marketing, with Thomas Umstead Jr. <laughs> and all you can read in the thumbnail is novel marketing. Uh, when in doubt, I encourage you to use your photo. This is something I've, I've kind of changed my views on, but I really have been convinced that what brings people back to a podcast is the personal connection with the host. There's an old saying that they come for the topic or they come for the guests, but they stay for the host. And I found that I've had a much better encounter with my listeners at conferences, now that they know what I look like, right? They they can find me in a crowd and they can come up to me and and say hi. Since I've put my face on my podcasts, I have far more encounters with listeners at conferences, and I find that really helpful. And now, when I, you know, if I find you at a conference and you come up and talk to me, I'll ask you what you think of the show and what I can do better. It's just something that I've learned to do recently. So you don't have to put your face on the cover you can put something else and there's some different strategies there. And there's even an article I have a link to in the show notes by Buzzsprout, which is how to design stunning podcast cover art that stands out in Apple Podcasts. So that has a bunch more tips in it than what I'm going to go through here. And then finally, I very much encourage you to hire a professional to make your album art for you. And there's a couple reasons why I recommend this. One, you're an author, not a designer, and you're not a Podcast art designer, right? There's a whole kind of skill set to making really good podcast art, and getting those skills is often far more work than it's worth. Especially because there's a lot of really talented podcast artists on Fiverr. I think I spent twenty five dollars for my current logo on Fiverr from a really excellent Fiverr uh, designer who basically all he does all day long is album art. He lives in Pakistan, and he's really good. And I've gotten a lot of different album arts from him or podcast logos. And he's just one of many really good podcast art designers uh, that you can find on Fiverr. I've got an affiliate link to Fiverr. You can use other designers. If you know a designer, uh, you're welcome to use that. But when it comes to price, you know, $25 to hire professionals, way better than doing it yourself. Even if you can do a good job, can you do it for $25 of your own time? Probably not. Okay, so that's the album art. That is absolutely required. You cannot have a podcast without valid album art. Now, it can be bad, right? Doesn't, the Apple podcast doesn't require it to be well-designed, but they do require it to exist. Uh, now, the next piece is uh, recommended, and that's the intro. Now, this is the kind of the first 30 seconds of the podcast. Some podcasts have longer intros. Um, the goal of the intro is to hook the listener's attention and to keep them listening. Think of it like the first page of your novel. Got to grab their attention and hold it. Another way to think of the first 30 seconds of your podcast is as a sales pitch for why they should spend their most valuable asset in their life, their time, on listening to your podcast, right? They're going to live the rest of their lives and die and never get back to 30 minutes or an hour they spent listening to your podcast. You've got to convince them that your podcast is worth that investment. Uh, So, for example, here's how I introduce this show. You heard it at the beginning. Author Media presents Novel Marketing, the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. So the, the goal there is to establish some credibility, kind of set us apart from the other podcasts. And then the next sentence is, this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and change the world with writing worth talking about. So, this does two things. It describes who the audience is, which you want to do in your intro, but it also describes some of the benefits that you'll get listening to the podcast. You'll learn how to build your platform, you'll learn how to sell more books, etc. That usually takes me about 15 seconds to read. And then in the next 15 seconds of the intro, which is all pre scripted, I try to sell that specific episode. So the first 15 seconds are selling the show, and it's really targeted at people who are listening for the very first time. The next 15 seconds are targeted at listeners who kind of listen to some episodes but not others, right? All the people who skipped uh, the rest of this episode because they didn't care about podcasts, right? The goal is to kind of help them know, is this an episode I want to listen to? And and so for this episode, I shared the stat, about 90% of USA Today bestselling authors have a podcast presence. I kind of, I tried to talk about how important podcasting is. I do a better job sometimes than others at selling the individual episodes. And I will say that as you build more trust with your listeners, they'll come with you through, sometimes through a bad sales pitch, but you'll grow your audience faster, the better you can do this intro. Uh, some common mistakes I see with intros: one is rambling, where they just kind of talk around the topic, and they're five minutes in and they haven't gotten to the point. You probably heard a lot of podcasts that do this. Another is double introducing the guests. So sometimes they'll introduce to get they'll record a separate introduction for the episode, and then during their interview with the guest, they introduce the guest a second time. Uh, that if you do that, suddenly you're two or three minutes into the episode without getting to any of the content that can be really irritating. Or an overly long intro. (laughs) So don't read every sentence from the bio uh, from the guest. I I often cut down to just a, a sentence or two of the bio of a guest when I'm interviewing a guest. And I get to the parts of their bio that are the most interesting to the listener. And another thing I've started doing is I don't give the name of my guest until the end of their bio. So it builds up a certain amount of. Anticipation, some curiosity. So it's not like I'm reading their resume, but by the end, my goal is for the listener to be like, oh my goodness, who is this person? They sound amazing. After just two sentences, they sound like a real expert and they're curious. And that curiosity makes it a little bit more interesting. That's a a new technique I've picked up recently that you see often in interview shows on television, right? The very last words they say are the name of the person coming on stage and they get everyone to applaud. There's no applause in podcasting unless you... Bring it in from some sound effects, but that same principle applies. Give the name last. And then the final mistake, well, there's a lot of mistakes, but the last mistake I want to talk about is not explaining the why of the episode. Not answering the question, why should I care about this episode? If someone doesn't know who you are and they're listening and this is the first episode that they're listening to, you have 30 seconds tops to make this sales pitch to explain why they should care about the episode, why it will be beneficial for them, why it will be entertaining, why it will be humorous, whatever that benefit is that we talked about earlier, you've got to make a pitch for this specific episode. Um, So that's the intro. Now, another optional element is the intro music. So you don't need to have intro music. In fact, we had no intro music on this podcast for the first four years, and that was on purpose. It wasn't that we didn't know how to find music. It was just that I wasn't convinced that it was needed. But after talking with some listeners at some conferences, I was convinced to have music and we keep changing the song. I'm still, you know, trying to find the, the perfect song. In fact, this episode we have a brand new song, which I got from the new service that I recommend, PremiumBeat.com. What I like about PremiumBeat.com over the one we had been using is that from a legal perspective, they explicitly state it is okay to use this music for a podcast. Many of the other music stores for royalty-free music are designed for like youtubers and they have rules for youtube and podcasting exists in this gray area where it's not really defined if it's okay for you to use it or not and premium beat explicitly says 50 bucks you can use it as many times as you want for a podcast intro which i really like i also really like they have a powerful search engine where you can search by mood or by genre or by style And you get lots of different versions of the song. So you get a 15-second version of the song, a 30-second version of the song, etc., which makes it really easy to find a version that will fit really well as your intro. But again, totally optional. You don't have to spend money on music. I will say what you can't do is take your favorite song from iTunes and use it. Any kind of copyrighted music, if you put it in, you will get in very big trouble. So you need to use some kind of service like Premium Beat dot com uh, to find royalty-free music, where what you're paying for is the rights to use it on your own creation. So when you pay 99 cents for a song on iTunes, you're not paying for the rights to do anything with that music other than listen to it. The next branding asset, and again, this one is optional as well, is a voiceover person. So for some of my podcasts, and I've hosted half a dozen different podcasts now, I will have a professional voiceover actor do the intro. So for the Christian publishing show, we have this lady with a very sophisticated British accent and some classical music. It's it's got a very specific brand. And the reason that I made those decisions is that I wanted a brand that was consistent with the uh, literary agency, the Steve Lobby agency that is the uh, the ongoing sponsor of the show. And uh, that was kind of in keeping with that with this show we had a voiceover guy for a while, but we don't have one now. There's a couple reasons for that. One, I like the freedom to introduce shows differently. And also, I just, I don't know, I don't feel like it's needed. But it's totally up to you. If you are looking for voiceover talent, Fiverr, again, has just an unbelievable collection of voiceover actors. And for 25 bucks, usually, sometimes as much as 50, you can get just the voice you need. So for Liberty Buzzard, we went with this guy with like a Harley Davidson sounding voice. And I did a search, Harley Davidson sounding voice. He got this real gravelly voice in this. Just the perfect intro guy and couldn't be more different from the creative funding shows. Um, Actually, creative funding show had James Rubart do the intro and then the British lady for the Christian publishing show. But with Fiverr, you you can hear samples and you just send them the text. They will read it and they send it back to you. It's great for them because they just Read with their voice into the microphone and they get 25 bucks. It's great for you because you have somebody else doing the intro. In terms of tips, if you do go with voiceover talent, I recommend getting somebody with a very different voice from you. So it's very obvious that this is the intro person. So, for instance, I have a female voice introducing me on the Christian Publishing Show and with a different accent, right? Totally on the other spectrum of how a voice sounds. It doesn't have to be that different, but I do recommend that you make some effort to make sure that they sound different from you. And then the final piece is the outro. This is a lot like the intro, but this is sometimes podcasts will have music that plays at the end or maybe a voice over talent that kind of does a close for the show, For this podcast, I just, again, I read it myself. I say, you've been listening to Thomas Sumstat Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast. Uh, To find show notes for this episode or to get new episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit novelmarketing.com. Thanks for listening. And you may be like, why did you change it? Right? Because we used to talk about selling yourself online, offline, and everywhere in between. Part of the reason I changed it is that I've, learned, or, and I've kind of already known this, but I realized the importance of this. Not everyone knows how to subscribe to a podcast, and so, And or even that they can. And a lot of people who listen to the podcast don't even know what a podcast is. They just go to novelmarketing.com and they click play on the play button. Maybe that's you right now. <laughs> and there's a better way, and that's to do it through your phone. And we have lots of instructions on how to do that on the website, so I want to send people there. This is optional. Even having an outro is optional. But I do think it's good to end with a thanks for listening so they know for sure that the episode has ended on purpose. All right. Now let's talk about podcast gear. The days of making a successful podcast with just your phone are over. And don't listen to anyone who says you can still do it that way because this is 2020 now. And you just can't. There's too much competition. The quality expectations are too high. There's too many professional companies making podcasts now. You've got to sound good. You don't have to spend $1,200, but you have to sound good. And even podcast guests now are expected to have good audio. I don't allow somebody to be a guest on any of my podcasts if they don't have a podcast microphone. So you as the host need to at least have that level of, of a microphone. So the first step is to buy a dynamic microphone. This is the most important thing about all the gears. Make sure you get a dynamic microphone. The go-to mic that I recommend for people just getting started is the Samsung Q2U, and I'll have an affiliate link to it in the show notes. I also have a gear guide that you can download for free at authormedia.com slash gear, and it talks about all kinds of different gear for different setups, right? If you want to record yourself giving a speech, if you want a mobile setup, if you want a high-end setup and you have some budget and you want to get the top gear, i, I Break down all these different levels and which one is the right fit for you. But the Q2U, the reason why I recommend it as a starter microphone is that it has really good background noise rejection. This is one of the most important things you want to look for in a microphone that it doesn't pick up the kids on the other side of the door, it doesn't pick up the airplane flying overhead, etc. And the kind of microphone that you want to avoid is what's called a condenser. Microphone. The most famous condenser microphone is probably the Blue Yeti and uh, and its little brother, the Blue Snowball. These are terrible microphones for podcasters. Uh, They are condenser microphones, which means they are super sensitive. They pick up all the room noise, all the room reverberation. They pick up the kids and the cats and the dogs and every little piece of sound. And the very first thing people tend to do after they buy a Blue Yeti is they start spending more money to try to make the sound sound less terrible. They start buying pop filters and foam and, you know, it, it can get very expensive. In fact, I know one podcaster who spent $150 on a Blue Yeti and then to fix it, She spent $200 on a device to put on the Blue Yeti to block the background noise. And at that point, you're $350 in. You can get the very number one microphone in the world for that same money that can plug into a mixer and has all of the preamps and the sweetening and all of that. So don't buy a Blue Yeti. If you have a Blue Yeti, there are ways of making it sound good. I've done a lot of interviews with people with condenser microphones. And, you know, one of the advantages of getting a Blue Yeti is that it's so hard to sound good that once you figure out how to make a Blue Yeti work, you can make any microphone work. And it's great training. Uh, They're also really fragile. They break really easily. And so if you're guesting and you don't use the podcast all the time, or if you don't use the microphone all the time and it's in a drawer going in and out, it's not uncommon for it to break. I've had two blue snowballs break on guests either right before or during an interview that I was doing with them. Uh, it's just a really fragile, terrible microphone to get. And I realized there's some authors in this industry who are recommending the Yeti. And the reason they do that is that musicians like the Yeti. And it's a good microphone if you're a musician. If you're trying to capture the timbre of a guitar, it's really good for that. But you know what you musicians have? Sound-treated rooms. They're also more okay with a little bit of reverb getting into the mic. As a podcaster, you don't want any of that. Don't get your microphone advice from musicians, get it from radio guys or radio women, people with a background in radio, because that's a much more similar environment to doing a podcast. And in radio, they use dynamic microphones. The other advantage of a dynamic microphone is that they are cheaper. They don't just reject background noise better, they also cost less money. So uh, save yourself some money. You can get almost two Samsung Q2Us for the cost of one Blue Yeti. I mean, it's that much cheaper and it gives you better audio. All right, the next piece of gear you want to get is over-the-ear headphones. When you record... You want to be able to hear your own voice so you can ensure that everything is sounding good. There's no static or some kind of bad noises getting into the microphone like barking dogs or whatever. And if you're interviewing a guest, you also want to be able to hear your guest clearly without the guest's audio leaking back into your microphone because that's what will cause an echo. You're also going to want those good uh, headphones so that when you're editing your podcast, you can hear what's really going on. Uh, So the kind of headphones that you want are wired over-the-ear headphones. They completely cover your ears so that no audio leaks out. Little iPod earbuds don't work, especially if you're using a Blue Yeti because that Blue Yeti is so sensitive it will pick up the noises coming out of your ears going back into the microphone. The advantage of over-the-ear headphones is that they don't only isolate the sound around your ears, but they also just give you really good Audio quality, and I will say in the gear guide, and I keep talking about this gear guide, but in the gear guide, I've test every piece of gear I've encountered, try to encounter every piece of gear that I recommend. Uh, I've spent an embarrassing amount of money on podcast gear over the years, and I have very passionate opinions, as you can see. Um, but I recommend there's a twenty dollar pair of headphones, and I will link to them in the show notes called the Samsung SR350s, and these are good. They're not amazing, but they're less than twenty bucks usually on Amazon, and they're studio monitor headphones, and they are. Everything you need, especially if you're just getting started. Eventually, you may want to pay for a little more comfortable, you know, a little bit better headphones, and I recommend some kind of higher-priced ones. I use the audio Technica ATH uh, M40s, and these are amazing. (laughs) The best pair of headphones I've ever owned, and they're way better. But They're also $100, (laughs) so you don't need to start with a $100 headset. The $20 one will do just fine. Uh, The final piece of gear that you want is a microphone arm. This attaches to your desk very easily, and it allows you to get the microphone close to your mouth. And this is one of the best ways to improve your audio. So right now I'm talking, and I'm about two fingers away from the microphone, maybe three fingers away from the microphone. And this gives me what's called the proximity effect. It's a richer, richer, kind of more vibrant sound. And I'm going to take a step back from the microphone. And now I'm as far away from the microphone as I would be if I had it on a desk. And you'll see that I just don't sound as good. And it's with the exact same microphone. So if you want to make a $100 microphone sound like a $400 microphone, the best way to do it is to spend $20 on a microphone arm so you can get that microphone nice and close. All right. So now it's time for step six, set up podcast hosting. Your podcast host is what powers the technology behind your podcast. Once it's set up, new episodes will automatically appear in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. And I'm not going to go into RSS feeds and how it works. I'm just going to say, set up the podcast host and they will handle that all for you. I recommend two different podcast hosts. If you're using WordPress, I personally use and recommend Blueberry, and I'll have a link in the show notes uh, to them. Their PowerPress plugin allows your podcast to be 100% integrated with your WordPress website and blog, and you can do some really cool things with it. It's the most powerful podcast hosting platform because you're able to leverage the power of WordPress to do some really neat integrations. Back when I started podcasting in 2007, uh, the predecessor of PowerPress, PodPress, was really the only way to host your podcast. There was very few other ways to do it. Now, Blueberry's stats are a little weak. Uh, they don't have a weekly download chart, for example, but they more than make up for it with the power of the WordPress plugin. You can upload new episodes right there in WordPress. It's beautiful. The, the player is really good. It integrates in a lot of cool ways with your website. So if you're using WordPress, uh, Blueberry is what I recommend. And um, I have an affiliate set up with them that even gives you a free month. So if you use the coupon code Marketing when you sign up, you get a free month of hosting. And If you're not using WordPress, the host that I now recommend is Buzzsprout, and they've been around for a long time, but I've only recently been checking them out, and I've been really impressed with what I've seen so far. They have beautiful stats pages. They will give you that weekly view of your downloads in a chart, and they have a beautiful player, and they have some of the best podcast tutorials in the industry. They have an incredible YouTube channel I'll link to in the show notes where they recommend microphones and techniques and a lot of stuff that you pay for a podcast course on they give for free right on their youtube channel and they 100 percent agree with me about avoiding the blue yeti they do psas and almost every video about why podcasters should avoid the blue yeti which is one of the ways i tell if somebody really knows what they're talking about or if they're just parroting what they hear from the musicians and there's a few hosts that i recommend that you avoid and then there's a lot of okay ones i won't talk about uh, but the th- there's three hosts I don't recommend. In fact, I've encountered them enough to say these are really should be avoided. And the first one is Anchor. It doesn't have IAB valid stats. It's really targeted at unpopular hobbyists and people who aren't really going anywhere with their podcast. You just don't find people on Anchor hitting it big or, or getting popular. And if you're looking for free hosting, uh, Buzzsprout actually has a free hosting level. And they have a much more powerful platform than Anchor and uh, room to grow uh, another one to avoid is libsyn actually which is what i started hosting on back in the day in fact in the early days they were the only option the problem with libsyn though is that they've gotten lazy and they haven't really updated their platform in years they have a dated web player really ugly podcast pages an out-of-date interface boardroom drama and slow improvement over time So if you're hosting with Libsyn right now and you move to another host, it will feel like an upgrade and sometimes for less money. So don't use Libsyn. Uh, SoundCloud is the other one I recommend that you avoid. Uh, They're not really designed for podcasters. They're really designed for like garage wrappers. It is possible to host a, a podcast through SoundCloud and technically it is free, but again, it doesn't have IAB valid stats and it's not a good platform. And I don't see podcasts getting famous out of SoundCloud. Like, it's a ghetto, kind of like Anchor. It's really hard to escape that ghetto. If you're trying to make it big, you don't want to move to the ghetto to make it big. Now, part of setting up your podcast hosting is submitting your podcast to the podcast directories. And this is something you only need to do once. Once you are in Apple Podcasts, once you're in Spotify, new episodes will appear automatically. Uh, The steps for how to do this are different based off of which podcast host you have, and they will walk you through exactly how to do it. Both Blueberry and Buzzsprout will walk you through step-by-step exactly how to do this. And it, it's not hard, it's a little bit of work, but once you once it's done, it's done. Now, I will say, in order to submit to podcast directories, you do need to have at least one episode In your feed, but it doesn't have to be a full length episode. What the really popular podcasts do is they just record a trailer kind of as a commercial for what the podcast will have. And that's all they have when they submit. And sometimes they just have a trailer episode up for months ahead of their big kind of grand opening launch later. There's some advice that you have to have three episodes, you have to have five episodes, some people even say 10 episodes before you submit your podcast. And I don't see the popular podcasts doing that. The ones that really hit it big don't do that. And part of the reason why I don't encourage you to do that is that you need listener feedback to shape your podcast. If you've recorded ten episodes ahead of time, you're committed to ten episodes, maybe going in the wrong direction or with the wrong show format, and that's really risky. <laughs> you you want a podcast is a conversation, and you need that feedback to shape the podcast. So, you know, if you want to do one or two episodes, that's fine, but I don't recommend doing much more than that. And the three podcast directories that you want to make sure you're in is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. These three directories make up for about 90% of the downloads for most podcasts. Partly because once you're in Apple Podcasts, a lot of the apps on both Android and Apple populate their apps from Apple Podcasts because they have an open API. You don't need to know what that means. Just realize that being an Apple Podcasts gets you into a lot of places, and Spotify and Google are are good as well. Now, there are some secondary podcast directories I'd also recommend that you submit to, and partly because you only have to do it once, and you're in, and it's free. So it's just a matter of putting in the time. Often you have to create an account and keep your passwords straight, but again, that's not too much work. And I'll have links to each one of these in the show notes, but it's Pandora, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. You know, And again, you don't have to have heard of them, right? It only matters that there's potential listeners using those directories. And not everyone submits to these directories. And the ones that don't submit, you don't compete with, right? So maybe there's two or three other romance podcasts or you know cozy romance podcasts you're competing with, but maybe you're the only one in TuneIn Radio. So for the people who listen using TuneIn, you're the only option they see. So that's why I recommend the kind of second level uh, podcast directories that you submit to them all right your podcast is now set up it appears in apple podcasts it appears in google podcasts you have a podcast so these steps that we've talked about steps one through six you only have to do one time the following steps you're going to do for every episode so let's talk about the actual making ...of the episodes, which leads us to step 7, record the episode. So, depending on the format of your show, it will affect the strategy of how you record your voice. So right now, I'm just talking into Hindenburg Journalist Pro, which is the audio that I use for editing. I could be recording into my Rodecaster Pro Mixer... Some people record into their editing software, some people record into their mixer, some people record into both at the same time because they like their belt and their suspenders on just in case something bad uh, were to happen. If you're doing a solo show where your voice is the only one, recording it is pretty easy. There's a lot of ways to do it, and they all will give you pretty good audio if you have the right gear. Now, if you're recording an interview, that's where things get a little more tricky. If you're doing an in-person interview, you want to have both people having their own microphone. There's a temptation to put a Blue Yeti in the middle of the table and you're both really far away from it. And if you do that, you will sound awful. (laughs) Don't do that. It's a big mistake. Uh, Get both people their own microphone. I have a setup in the show notes where for not very much money, you can get really good microphones that both people will have. Sorry, that's in the gear guide. And again, it's a free gear guide at authormedia.com forward slash gear. I link to it all over in the show notes of this episode. Uh, But for most interview podcasts, they don't record in person. They record remotely. And you don't want to do this over the telephone. You want to use special remote recording software so you can get good, high-quality recordings of both you and your guest. You don't want to sound amazing while your guest sounds terrible. I feel like that's a really bad inhospitable way to host your podcast. This is part of the reason why I insist that my guests have a good podcast mic if they want to be on my show, because I want them to sound good. I want them to not uh, sound kind of amateurish. Now, in terms of software... This used to be really hard to get high quality recordings from both ends, but now it's really easy. There's a couple of websites actually that will do it, and one of them is free. It's called Zencaster, and I'll have a link to it in the show notes. They have a free version, and we recorded a lot of episodes using this free version. And during the pandemic, they've actually loosened the restrictions on the free version, making it even more friendly for people getting into podcasting for the first time. It's a it's a really great place to start. It's not what I use Now, uh, but it is what I recommend for most people when they're first getting started, partly because it's free. Uh, What I use is Squadcast, which is $20 a month, and it's better in some technical ways I won't go into. It's also a little bit more reliable and it's a little bit easier to use. And so for, for me, it's worth it for those benefits to pay those $20 a month. And I will say part of the reason why I'm able to afford to spend the extra money for a little better software and for better gear is because I have patrons like you. Right? Your support of this show helps improve the audio quality of the show. Those of you who listened to our early episodes, you'll know we've come a long way. Our early episodes sounded really terrible, and that's okay. Right? You don't have to have a perfect-sounding show right at the beginning, although I will say it's a lot easier to have a perfect-sounding show or a better-sounding show now at 2020 than it was in 2013 when we started the Novel Marketing Podcast, and it was easier in 2013 than it was in 2007 when I started my first podcast. Oh my goodness, it was rough in <laughs> those are early days. The technology was worse, and it was harder to use, so we've come a long way. Both Zencaster and Squadcast give you that nice in-studio sound. Uh, some tools that will not give you the in-studio sound are things like Zoom and Skype. They will make you sound in studio, but your guest will sound out of the studio. They'll sound better than they will on a telephone. Telephone is the absolute worst, but they won't sound in studio unless you're using Squadcast or Zencaster, or they know how to do a double ender and you know how to do a double ender. But in general, I don't see that that happens unless it's one podcaster interviewing another podcaster and they both record themselves and then you send the audio the other way. That's way too complicated. I recommend that you Zencaster instead. All right, the next step, now that you've recorded the audio, you recorded yourself talking into the microphone, that's when you edit the audio. So you go through and you take out ums and uhs. For the most part, you try to remove any sort of bad audio. You don't cut every um, you don't cut every uh. I think it's good to have a conversational style, but you know, if you have an hour-long podcast and you have five minutes of ums, that, that's a lot of ums. <laughs> so do cut what you can. Uh, what I recommend in terms of which software to use, I recommend Hindenburg Journalist. It's designed specifically for podcasters. It's very easy to use. You're able to very quickly make changes. And I encourage you to avoid software like GarageBand or Audacity that's designed for musicians. Those tools are very complicated. They're very cumbersome i think they scare a lot of people away from starting a podcast in the first place they cause a lot of people to unnecessarily pay for someone else to edit their podcast because there's so many dials buttons and knobs that are for musicians it's just the wrong tool for the job and they also cause people to give up on their podcast into podfade because the editing is so difficult so as a general rule if you hear a musician recommending something Don't buy that thing because recording a three-minute song with a dozen different instruments and recording a 30-minute podcast are completely different technical challenges. And the kind of software you use for that three-minute song is the wrong software to use for that 30-minute interview. Recording music is just a lot more complicated, which is why I really like Hindenburg because it's so simple. If you want to do noise reduction, you just dial a knob. You turn a little knob and it reduces the noise and it's only $99 one time. So it's not very expensive editing software. When someone comes to me and asks me uh, to do editing for their podcast, because we do offer that occasionally as a service uh, through Author Media, I try to talk them out of it and I encourage them to try the trial of Hindenburg first because a lot of people think that editing a podcast is far more complicated than it really is for instance Hindenburg automatically analyzes the audio and sets the levels for you automatically I've presented Hindenburg in front of audiences at podcasting events and every time I've done it I've gotten gasps and oohs and ahs from people using GarageBand and Audacity because they have no idea how much easier it can be to use Hindenburg and I don't get anything from recommending Hindenburg And there's a reason why so many podcasters are switching to them and recommending them even without an affiliate, because they're just that good. Uh, There's another podcast tool called Descript. I don't recommend it yet, but it's a neat idea. You edit the podcast the way you would edit a Word document, so it transcribes the podcast and you can cut words. Uh, The problem with Descript, though, is that it doesn't have a Hindenburg export for fine tuning. And so if there's any mistakes that it makes, there's really no easy way to fix it. Um, once it has a Hindenburg export, I may start using Descript because I'm, I'm I'm intrigued. It's a new tool. It, they're making improvements to it all the time, and I think eventually it will be recommendable. I will have a link to it in the show notes if any of you want to check it out. Okay, you have recorded the episode and you've edited the episode. Now it is time to upload your MP3 and publish your show notes. So this is where you take the mp3 that you recorded in step seven and you upload it to your podcast host in step six. Now what these exact steps are varies depending on who your podcast host is, but they all have good documentation to show you how to do that. And once your podcast is uploaded and published, it will start to appear in the podcast directories over the next 24 hours. That's right. 24 hours, sometimes as long as 48 hours. This is not an instant process. Sometimes it happens very quickly, but because podcasting is decentralized, because there's no one company that controls it all, there's a lot of links in the chain and none of them are instant. So it's one of the differences between podcasting and the other platforms. Although I will say, you do pretty much instantly appear on your subscribers' phones. So once somebody has subscribed to you, they're gonna get the new episode as soon as it is on the RSS feed. Uh, if you're using Blueberry, I encourage you to have a like a blog post companion for each episode. You don't have to write a whole blog post to go with it, but at least share the links, right? So you often hear me talking about the show notes, the show notes, and it allows me to mention multiple resources. I think I've mentioned probably 20 or 30 different websites and articles and, you know, pieces of technology and links to buy things and i'm able to do that without constantly being like go to www.amazon.com forward slash blah 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 right nobody wants to hear that that's what the show notes are for and you can create your show notes and i will say one of the things again that our patrons have allowed us to do is we now make blog post versions of each episode which i have a va who helps me do that it's not cheap but it's covered by our patrons so thank you so much for being a patron if you are Because you help us improve the quality. So yeah, I didn't mean for this to be like a patron thank you episode, but I really am as I'm going through these steps, there's a lot of ways we've been able to improve the quality that we were only able to do because of the patronage. All right, so we've now uploaded the MP3. The episode is live. The final step is to promote your podcast and specifically promote that podcast episode. So some things that we do every week, we send out an email to our email list with the episode, and I actually write that email custom (laughs) because sometimes there's bonus information in the email that we don't put anywhere else because I want to encourage people to get on our email list. So for instance, I'm doing a series of webinars for COVID, uh, kind of the kind of talks I would give at writers' conferences during the pandemic, during the lockdown. There's no writers' conferences, so I'm doing free webinars. Sometimes more than one a week. <laughs> I did two last week, and I was pretty exhausted because I was also doing a, you know, recording up podcast episodes, and I was just talking into the microphone a lot. Um, but I only give the links to those webinars to people who subscribe uh, to the email list. So that's one way we promote the podcast. Also, you know, send an email if you have a guest asking them to promote. The podcast. If you're just launching your podcast, you might consider doing a Facebook Live. I don't feel like this works as well as it used to. Also, you can partner with others to promote your podcast. So new episodes of the Christian Publishing Show are cross-posted to the Steve Lobby blog every week. So there's now two ways for people to discover the show. They can discover it on the Steve Lobby blog, or they can discover it on our website. In fact, they're also cross-posted to the Christian Writers Institute every week. So there's some creative ways you can do with cross-posting that you can get the word out. You can share the posts on social media. I don't feel like this brings in very many new listeners, but it is a really good way to engage the listeners you already have. So I have a Facebook group for novel marketing. I know many of you listening are in that Facebook group, and that's where we discuss the episodes. So people will leave comments, questions, and ideas. It's also fun to see people who've listened to past episodes starting to put what they've learned into practice and posting their results on the Facebook group. So it's a really great way of engaging And it does allow me to adapt the podcast to be more relevant for the listeners, and being more relevant does bring more listeners. So in an indirect way, the Facebook engagement does lead to more listeners. Uh, And then another really good way to promote your podcast as a whole is to be a guest on other podcasts, right? Because only 30% of people listen to podcasts, right, the wealthier 30% in, in most cases, So when you do a promotion on Facebook, only 30% of the people who see that even know how to subscribe. But when you are a guest on somebody else's podcast, 100% of the listeners already listen to a podcast. They know how to find that app on their phone. They know how to subscribe. They can make great uh, potential listeners for you. And I do have a course on this, How to Get Booked as a Podcast Guest. It is a media training course, and uh, it's a really powerful way of promoting not just your podcast, but also your book. And it's got the kind of media training that you get if you're working with a PR firm. And it also shows you how to be your own PR firm, booking your own uh, appointments with podcasts or booking your own interviews. So you don't have to spend $3,000 on a PR firm. And I'll have a link to that course in the show notes. And as a way of saying thank you to our patrons, you can save 50% off the course. So uh, there's a link in Patreon uh, to get that coupon. Our sponsor today is the Novel Marketing Mastermind Group, and we have a special mastermind group just for podcasters. This group is limited to only 10 people, and I'm hoping and anticipating that it will fill up pretty quickly after I do this episode, because if you're wanting ongoing coaching to launch your podcast from me, this group is the way to do it. We already have several people in the group, so there's only a handful of spots left. You can find out more at authormedia.com, and you can sign up on Patreon. Speaking of patrons... Our featured patron today is Lauren Lynch, author of the Time Drifter series. Explore ancient civilizations from a Christian worldview in the historical fantasy Time Drifter series appropriate for all ages. And Lauren, thank you so much for being a patron of the Novel Marketing Podcast, helping us stay on the air, helping me improve the quality, step-by-step, step, trying to get better uh, every episode. I really appreciate you and everyone else who helps keep us on the air. If you would like to become a patron, we have levels starting at um, very little, I think just 3 or $4 for a starting level. And going all the way up to the $25 level where you can have your book mentioned on the air. So and we have all kinds of different benefits. You can find out more. Um, there's a link to the show notes. And if you can't afford to become a patron but you still want to help the show, there's a really easy way to do that. And that is to just share this episode with someone you know who's thinking about starting a podcast. It's that easy. It really does help the show, uh, help us to get more listeners when our existing listeners tell their friends about it. You've been listening to Thomas Umstead Jr. on this epically long edition of the Novel Marketing Podcast. If you want to find the show notes or to get new episodes delivered to your phone automatically, go to novelmarketing.com. Thank you so much for listening.